0: Welcome to The Family Brain with your host, Megan Gibson. The
1: well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy.
2: Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I will be talking to a friend in real life, Jill Cullinan. Jill and I were neighbors and ended up helping co-found Project Brave. Jill is the president and I wanted to talk to her at this point in the podcast. I think when I first started the podcast, I wasn't I wanted to make sure this wasn't a Project Brave podcast because I wanted to cover lots of different topics, but honestly, Project Brave and sort of what I learned in in getting Project Brave started helped me see that podcasts like this might be useful to other people, Um, just learning more about resources that I didn't know existed and people doing good work in a variety of spaces. And to me, that is just very hopeful. So I wanted to put that message out there. Project Brave is a nonprofit and it works to educate young children um, between elementary to middle school about healthy relationships. One of the things that we're sort of missing in our world is talking about relationships and what it looks like to be in a healthy relationship early on when kids are young and developing the imprint of what they think that should look like. Oftentimes, my kids are going through this right now. We talk about relationships when we have the birds and the bees conversation in school, and we don't talk as much about what it looks like to be a good friend, to be a kind person, to um, have boundaries, have self-awareness, all of that. So I'm excited to talk to Jill, and I think she has so much to share. She's very excited about project brave and so am i so i'm excited to talk to her and hopefully get you guys excited about it too This is your second episode of the Family uh, Brain.
1: I know. I feel like I should get like an award or something.
2: Um, you're just in a special category. You can know. you can pat yourself on the back if you would it's like. Like a Saturday,
1: li- uh, Saturday Night Live, like five timers club. I'm a two timer
2: club on the Family Brain. Yes, I know. I should figure out some sort of way to have there be an acknowledgement. That's a hard word. Acknowledgement. Yeah, I, I want feel. That. A badge. Okay. I'm going to work on it. Oh, will, will you make one for me on the computer?
1: I will. <laughs> I, will. I will. make one for
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So today we talked in general about your life and just family life on the last, the last time you were on. But today we're going to really focus on Project Brave, the nonprofit that you helped co-found. And I would love for you to just talk a little bit about what Project Brave is. I am also the other co-founder or co-founders. How many do we have? We have a lot of people that help bring that together. Um, And I would love for you to just talk about, so if somebody said in a nutshell, what is Project Brave? Like what would be your answer?
1: Uh, My answer would be that it's a nonprofit organization with the mission of helping to, create an atmosphere where people have the tools and understand that the most important time to talk with kids about relationship skills isn't middle school, isn't high school when we normally would think that, because of course that's when they're dating. It's actually elementary school, and it's making sure that those skills are being maximized to their fullest potential because they're actually developing those skills between the ages of 6 and 10, which is mind-blowing, right? It's like it's playing on the swings and it's on the soccer field and it's, you know, hanging out in class and it's the lunch table in first grade. What
2: do you do do if someone takes the last cupcake or, you know, or takes your pencil or takes your seat in the the gym? Or,
1: Or like my son in first grade is the example I give to everybody. There was a boy who would come up to my now... 10-year-old son when he was six and in first grade and say, if you don't play with me today, I'm not going to be friends with you for the next three days. And it was like, you know, I, I didn't have this knowledge. We didn't have Project Brave at that point yet. And I just, you know, I approached it from different angles. I'm like, well, you know, he obviously seems like he's having a hard time, you know, and it doesn't mean you have to be friends with him, but, you know, maybe we can just try to, you know, talk about empathy and and whatnot. And that didn't work. And so, you know, it, he kept going with it, and my son kept getting uncomfortable, and we had to kind of have a conversation with the teacher. And, you know, and now looking back, I'm thinking, wow, that was a huge life lesson in um, conditional relationships.
2: Mm. Yeah. And what did he end up doing?
1: Um, Well, it ended up that they were just kept apart
2: Yeah,
1: um, because the boy ended up becoming a little aggressive about it. And it even kind of flowed over into second grade when um, one of the teachers, actually his first grade teacher, reached out to me and said, you know, I'm getting ready to place him into the next class. Do you want him to be kept separate from this other boy again for another year? And, you know, part of me was like, well, yeah, but then part of me was, well, what do I do here? You know, do I, you know, do I, do I not give him that lesson, that grit that's potential there or do I just protect him from it? And, you know, I still don't know if I made the right choice. I said, just don't even do, you know, don't keep him, don't put them together this year. Keep him apart one more year and we'll just see what happens. And it's just the decision that I made, but it's such a simple little thing. Right. And, you know, that's. As someone who survived a nearly eight-year abusive relationship myself, I look at that and I get chills because that's, you know, if you don't do this for me, I'm not going to do this for you. And if you do do this, I'm going to reward you. If you keep my secrets, I won't hurt you anymore. You know, and it's this crazy, you know, or even just a weird friendship. You know, it's just a very strange conditional friendship and that's not how friendship should be. And so that instance in itself, you know, just mind blowing to me first grade. Yeah. And it was all about conditional relationships. And we had a huge opportunity there that I don't know looking back that we handled it the way I would have handled it now, knowing what I know.
2: Right. Well, and that's one of the things. So in this podcast, I've mentioned on other episodes, sort of what happened with Casey and how Project Brave came to be. Um, and we can we can sort of tell a little bit about why we started Project Brave. But one of the things that is hardest for me when I think back on that time is the things I didn't know and the things that I didn't, I, you know, I considered myself you know, well read on type of topics of psychology and I had worked in mental health. And I think that there's just um, you know, it's it's an ever evolving knowledge. And we're we don't know everything right now either, right? And we're no. gonna learn more, and I think as a parent we have to sort of be gentle with ourselves about that. We're not always gonna know how to best manage a circumstance because we're growing too. But what can we do to to provide ourselves and other people with tools to to help better process those decisions that seem really small, but are teaching our kids how to navigate the world. Um, so is, would you want to talk a little bit about Casey and what happened and what prompted the development of project brave?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we lost a friend to domestic violence. Um, you know, we, we really didn't, um, I guess it was just through that grief, you know, that we have to do something, we have to, we have to change this ending, man, you know, yeah. like, this isn't, gonna, this is, this is not gonna, I, I can't do this, right, and, you know, I will say that for me, at least, some of it was self-care, which I know you, you just love that, mm-hmm. if, you know, um, you know, think, oh, maybe it was a little selfish that I wanted to do this. And then I thought, no, this is self-care and that's okay. That's good selfish. Right. Because I had such profound survivor skills. I know we all did, you know, because we knew them as a couple to an extent. And me personally, how didn't I see it? What red flags did I miss? I mean, it was eating me alive. Right. It was going to destroy me. It, it really was, yeah. it was going to hurt so much, you know, I still, to this day, can't listen to the Bruno Mars song, Count on Me, without sobbing, because I feel like I let her down, mm. I still struggle with that, right. um, like, anytime it comes on, like, gotta change it, gotta change it, because I feel like I, I just, I didn't do what I needed to do, but that helps drive me, you know, when I'm really tired, and i put in eight hours on the computer and, and, you know, doing all this stuff with Project Brave that we all get in these places where we're spending all this time and all this energy and it's like, wait a second, this is how I, this is how I'm going to keep healing. I'm never going to be, I'm still going to have a little hole in my heart, Casey shaped, but it's gotten a lot smaller Mm -hmm. because I know that what we're doing is, It's not just helping kids, it's helping adults. The emails that we get from guidance counselors and parents and survivors, um, I mean, they're just so, like, heartwarming that people, you know, when we had Trudy Ludwig in two years ago, and she asked, you know, how many of you were parents, and, you know, we had, what, maybe 85 people there, eighty. And, you know, we just said, you know, how many people are parents, and a few people raised their hands, and how many people are caregivers and teachers, and a few more, and then how many people are guidance counselors, and oh my gosh, you know, three quarters of the room went up, mm-hmm. and we all looked at each other like, yes, you know, like people are getting this, and right. they need it, we found, we found a gap, it's not the only gap, there's a lot of gaps, but we found one of them, mm-hmm. and I think that's why it touches so many people, because when they realize This is something that could help everybody's cycles with relationships, right? Not just the kids who are vulnerable at becoming, you know, adults and being victimized by a toxic relationship, whatever that looks like, a family relationship, you know, a sibling problem, a, a work issue to an intimate partner relationship, but we also could be breaking that cycle for the people who would become those toxic people, those potentially abusive people. Just letting them know that, no, the kid on the playground, these conditional relationships are not acceptable. Right. Doesn't mean he was going to turn into an abusive person, but it doesn't help that he's learning that conditional relationships are okay at at six. Right. You know, and and so it really came from a place of yearning to find that hole, you know, there were enough, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to downplay the importance of shelters and, you know, advocate organizations and, and whatnot, but at the same time, there's enough of them.
2: Like, well, exactly. and it's not, it's not an either or, it's an all. You know, it has right, to come exactly. from all directions. It, I, I mean, didn't it, want
1: to just set up a shelter, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying, and just, you know, put her name on a shelter. Because that was kind of just not the legacy I wanted for her either, right? Like, that's just kind of, ugh. You know, like, I don't, I to me, it would have made her a statistic. Um, and I didn't want that. So, she loved kids, right? I mean... You've got some pictures of you guys together, but I have a feeling you've got more pictures of her with your kids. For sure, I'm saying, "Oh my gosh!" You know, like I think there's one picture of us together, and everything else is her holding my kids, right? And just grabbing my kids and taking my kids, and you know, that's most of my memories of her. You know, like she.
2: Well, and I have to give. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, like, she would come over. There was one time I I called her, or she had texted me, rather, and she said, you know, how are things going? She knew that my husband was working a lot, and that I had a newborn who was, you know, a little colicky, a little fussy at times, and she uh, said, you know, not good, you know? <laughs> you know. I don't know. I don't know what's happening, but, you know, she won't stop crying. She walked over in scrub pants, a T-shirt, and fuzzy socks, you know, and from her house, you know, what, six houses away. And just looks at me, walks in the door all casual, and goes, "Give me that baby."
2: <laughs> I love it. And
1: she takes Kaylin.
2: Aww.
1: Who's who's like three weeks old, and she immediately stops crying. Oh. Immediately stops crying, and I said, "I like, got you know, with tears in my eyes, you know, like why, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> I finally get. I have a girl. I've got two boys. I get my my third is a girl. I'm so excited. And she doesn't want anything to do with me. You know, why you? And she looks at me with that smirk because she was there for her her um, C-section. She was my anesthesiologist. And she still kept joking. Oh, I saw her first. I saw her first. And she looks right at me and she said, well, you know, it's not my fault. She's like a little bird. She's got me first, and she imprinted on me. Oh, oh, oh. And that's where Kaylin got the nickname Birdie. I had that's no idea. That's, I started calling her. that's why we started calling her Birdie.
2: Oh, that's And I was sweet. just
1: like, girl, you know. Yeah. And she's like, now go lay down. You know, she's right. like, I got
2: this. Just very matter <laughs> of fact. Well, that's the hard part, I think, looking back and just it it reminds me and you telling this story is that that's the thing I think we don't necessarily realize is people can be strong in so many different ways. And that doesn't mean that they might not need help or support or, you know, and I think that she was a good example of like so strong, so strong, like had it all, you know, figured out and was always helpful to all of us. Um, I went
1: to Ecuador how many times a year? Yeah take care of people, hundreds
2: of people on her own dime. Right. But that we all have sort of like a, um, what's the word? Uh, Vulnerability in, in, in not, vulnerability gets used a lot now about being honest and being truth tellers and, and speaking our truth. But I think that sometimes too, even the most strong people we know have the spots that they can be, manipulated or tricked or, have, you know, yeah, the hole in their armor. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we're human, we're human beings. Yeah. I mean, and hers was her heart. Yeah. And I think, it, um, was her,
1: it was her greatest, greatest attribute and her biggest, you know, her biggest flaw in the end.
2: Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about what, Project Brave looks like these days, just in terms of um, what what the actual program is. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about our book program and about our social yeah, media and fun. just it's sort of so fun
1: how it's evolved. Like, I, I it's, agree. You know, we kind of we were kind of initially thinking, remember the social emotional learning curriculums and helping implement them into the schools, and then it was just like, wow, so many roadblocks so many roadblocks, and and you made a good point, you're like, you know, things are kind of headed that way on their own, so I don't know that we need to really worry about advocating for it, and, you know, I remember our very first, um, it it was just kind of like a, it wasn't an official board meeting, it was just at my house, and we got everyone together to just kind of connect, and you came in, and you were like, we gotta do books, we gotta do books, and everyone's like, slow down, Megan. (laughs) we've just kind of learned along the way we need to work smarter, not harder. And so, you know, you came up with this library of books, right? And we've kind of refined it over the last year and a half. And it's now currently 24 books. Um, There's eight books for each. You know, we we kind of have, okay, these books are recommended for K-1 these are for two, three, and these are for, you know, fourth and fifth, and there's wiggle room there. You know, I'm not, you know, I mean, maybe there's a second grader who's reading at a fourth grade level. Um, but it just helps generalize it for people. And so we have, you know, kind of the three categories for grades. Um, and then we have the six pillars of character. Um, and I'm going to probably not get them all right now. So what we've got self-awareness community courage empathy kindness and what's number six
2: Mm, I don't know
1: (laughs) I don't know either I'll think of it when I'm not thinking of it but we have these pillars
2: but you get people get the gist of what we're talking about like just
1: categories kind of helps to guide um oh and inclusion Mm. inclusion and it helps to guide The person reading the books, whether that be a school counselor or a teacher or a caregiver or, you know, um, even just a parent.
2: Whoever's with the the book, yeah. Because sometimes (laughs) I think we all have that experience of reading a book and knowing that it's hitting on a deeper level and wanting to have a conversation about it. But whether we're tired or we just don't have the, the energy or can't come up with the questions, it sort of just helps... Um, start a conversation on a deeper level
1: yeah yeah and then you know you put together some fantastic questions uh, for most of the books some of them already had them and you know we're not gonna we're not gonna do any better than Trudy Ludwig no. and, uh, and, and the Berenstain Bears people but uh, they have in their books they have their own discussion points which were phenomenal,
2: and uh, so why bother? Um, well, and really, that's what gave me the idea to add the questions into it, was because really? some of these other people looking at Trudy's books, I'm like, oh, this is great. Why all books should have this? And and more and more, yeah. even adult fiction books, they have, like, the reading club kind of thing at the back of the book, you'll sometimes see. Uh-huh. Um, so anyway. Um, yeah,
1: that's cool. And so, like, there's, you know, there's the books, and they, um, you know, they... There's the pillars. They all fall into various pillars. Um, None of them fall into just one. So it's kind of cool because, you know, let's say a school is having, um, they just feel more connected to a certain pillar at a certain time based on their current school community um, and where things are going. Well, that's something, okay, here's the books that relate to that, that you can actually have those discussions with um, and really kind of you know push that engagement um and then we have uh angie ray who just came on and she's developing the bilingual libraries i love that Uh, i know i'm so excited so only six of the books that we have uh two or three of them are trudy books um but i know wonder and those shoes um and yeah, a couple of the Trudy books and the Berenstain Bears book, um, they are available in Spanish, um, but she's, you know, on the lookout for six more books. I think she's found them, but she's just kind of... Double well, and I,
2: of I would love to do a public service announcement. If you're listening and you've ever wanted to write a children's book, I would suggest writing a book about social-emotional awareness topics and make it bilingual, because there's a big need for that. And a lot of, I mean, children most likely will, will be learning to read in English, but if they're bringing it home to their family, and the family does not speak English. Um,
1: that's
2: it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really a... It's
1: not necessarily the kids, you know, the kids. But then there's also things that actually Angie mentioned in her... Um, The last installation that she and Tori went on, where they went to a school, they brought the library, they did a reading, they showed the social workers and the principal and librarian, you know, about the books and how to use them. And um, what they found was, and Angie pulled this out and said, you know, for these kids, you know, 90% of these kids, Sure, they speak English, but Spanish is their primary language, and it is amazing how... It's,
2: like, it's, their heart, it's their heart language, you know?
1: Well, exactly, and a translation may not quite hit them the way that their native tongue would hit mm-hmm. them, right? It's, it's, it's going to be more, the message is going to make more sense in Spanish to them than it would in English, because, you know, there's some big words in these books that, you know, in your native language, if it's English, you're going to understand.
2: Right, and the you topics know, but, can be more complicated, but, it's not like boat, well, it's like...
1: Right, and tell, tell a six-year-old who, you know, just started speaking English two years ago, say the word empathy to them and ask them what they think it means. Mm. You know, I don't think they're going to get it. It's like in the way that, however, it would be translated in Spanish.
2: Right? Because it's and a hard, so, it's a hard concept. It's a hard concept for me. You know, it's so
1: a hard of right, yeah.
2: right.
1: You know, and we're all still learning, and, and it's so cool. But I love how it's evolved. And then, you know, we have our speaker series, um, and that's a once a year series. And you've done a great job um, with that. And you know, we kind of. You know, I mean, you could do a
2: better job explaining the speaker series than I could. Um, so, you know, but- I mean, basically, just a, So far, we've had two of the authors of the book, of some of the books, um, come and speak to community. Um, And also to schools. We had Trudy Ludwig, who, if you haven't seen her books, they're incredible. And she is, I would say, a a literary pioneer in the kindness movement. And then um, Catherine Atoshi came and spoke as well. And it's just a way to bring some of these people who are passionate about these topics to the community and sort of continue to get people excited about teaching with the books and um, I don't know what we'll have next dun 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 we'll we'll have to see, wait and see
1: I know (laughs) well it was funny because one of the principals um, there was a man, a male principal who was at the Catherine event um, the adult event as a youth and he Tori happened to reach out to him because that was the district that she's focusing on at the time and Or she reached out to their guidance counselor and he got wind of it and called her back and, you know, was like, oh, you know, I really want these boys are really excited about this. I'm so excited. You know, like he was through the ceiling. Yeah. With just brimming with excitement and anticipation and encouragement about the program and about how he's already thought about you know all these different ways he's going to implement it into the school and so all the kids have access and you know it's just like oh this is so cool you know right. like it's so it's fun to see the excitement um, from the social workers, the guidance counselors, the faculty, the teachers. And, you know, in speaking with some of them on a personal level, it's because they know that this has been necessary for a really long time, but it just hasn't been available. No one actually put it together. Right. Um, and that's where, you know, when I say we fill the gap,
2: we fill the gap. Right. You know, that's... Well, and what I think what's interesting... Know, with the difference between a curriculum and just books that are already in libraries already, is that curriculum, there's a lot of steps to approval and, you know, what are we going to teach and how are we going to teach it? And with books, it's like kids are already reading books, you know, and this is just a way to, to make it be fun. Um, well, and reading
1: initiatives are really a priority in Texas schools at this point. You
2: know, I mean, right. that's the focus. Reading, 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 reading. And um,
0: it, we just are just kind of stepping in and saying,
1: well, here's some books.
2: Right, right. You
1: know, here's, here's some topics to discuss, and here's some positive things that could
2: happen because of it. Right, and I think it can change the if, – if the school community is on board, it can change just the feeling of being in a place. You know, like one of the things I noticed, you know, we have moved to Austin, and one of the things that is going on in the district here is that they're focusing on – This um, Mr. Rogers inspired, won't you be my neighbor? And just like being kindness and being a good neighbor and focusing on character traits of kids and not as much on um, their achievement on a math test or, you know, and, and not not to say that that's not important either. But I think that it has to come from all the players. It can't just be, you know, you you put some books in the school and expect change to happen because it's sitting on the floor. It has to be in kids' hands. It has to be in counselors' hands, teachers' hands, parents' hands. It has to be a part of what you're really trying to do. Um, So um, I'm just curious. That that
1: reminds me of his quote that's very well known. That is really, I mean, I have, so I'm this big dork that, like, I'll find these quotes and write them on Post-its and stick them on my mirror or stick them on my my computer. And I have the one where he said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. Mm -hmm. You will always find people who are helping. And that is such a wonderfully broad, amazing term to me. Because helpers could be kind, helpers can be empathetic, helpers can, you know, be compassionate, helpers can, helpers can be the, the people that give us a little kick in the butt sometimes mm-hmm. and keep us on track, you know, and they, they can be our cheerleaders, they can be, you know, our comforters. And, and I just, I love it because oh, he's just such an inspiration. He's he, such an inspiration. Yes.
2: If you haven't seen the, um, would you like to be my neighbor or won't you be oh, my yeah. neighbor? movie okay. it's so good you saw it right
1: yeah, yeah. oh so yeah good. i have it like saved and it, it can never be deleted on my
2: <laughs> i love it i love it
1: i was like i don't care if hbo ever pulls that It's never getting deleted i like i flagged it so nobody could accidentally delete it without a code and yeah i've had uh, my oldest just watched it with me it's
2: well, and what's oh, neat God. to me, yeah, and what's neat to me is that television was so new when he was doing that and when he was starting his show, and nobody really knew its potential, and I feel like we're in a very similar situation now with all the technology we have and all the resources we have, and we can do so many things, and how do we harness all of that for good, you know, and to, to, to help connect people instead of alienate people, and um, I feel like we're on the next frontier of that, but I think he is such a good teacher, in terms yes. of, like, what do we do with that? Use it for a good. Pioneer. A
1: pioneer.
0: A pioneer,
2: yes. Sure. yes. yeah. Well, you know, our social media, um, on Facebook in particular,
1: has grown exponentially in the last three weeks. Um, and I think we've had, like, 240 new people um, following the page. And, you know, that's a really good place just for positive messaging. You know, right now we're working on... Um, kind of promoting the self-awareness pillar and so there's lots of really cool quotes on self-awareness and uh you know had one up there yesterday from queen oprah yeah yeah you <laughs> know and and um, you know but have had quotes from ee Cummings and brene brown and you know it's there's just some really cool quotes um for people who like that little daily dose of happy and encouragement um And really, just kind of self actualization. And uh, but then there's information there on what we're doing. What you know, there's there's pictures and updates on libraries that are being installed, so people you know know where their support is going. Whether that's in the form of financial contributions, volunteering, or you know just spreading the message. You know, there's you know, it's amazing to me. Yes, you know donations and and financial contributions are critical to us being able to do what we do. But at the same time, you know, if the budget is small, just sharing our mission, Mm. sharing our message, sharing our social media, because let's say you don't, you don't have it in your budget to give us even $5, you know, to help, you know, that would, that could help buy a book. Okay, cool. But share it on social media. And then, you know, 10 people that may like the page, maybe someone there does have the opportunity and the resources to do that or to volunteer. Um, you know, we've got the big give coming up on March 28th, which, um, you know, that's that's exciting. Um, so we're kind of gearing up towards that. And then, um, you know, we have plenty of opportunities and we're starting to kind of open up more volunteer opportunities to help with booths and, and to engage people. Um, we're going to do that... Uh, Countdown City Comic Con again this year, that was really fun, we really got to engage a lot of people there, um, they really liked the whiteboard idea that you came up with, at the pajama run, hmm. three years ago almost, can you believe that?
2: I can't <laughs> believe it. Two and a
1: half years ago, and uh, where, you know, I feel brave when, I am brave because, and they love that, they love that, and it was it was really cool there, because we really got to see adults engaging too, Yeah,
2: you know? I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I have a question. What is your favorite book in the book collection? What, mm. Which one speaks to you the most or hits you where it needs to hit you kind of thing?
1: It used to be one,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but now it's, uh, it's Be Kind. Mm. And I love that one because, well, one, my favorite color is purple, and it's about this girl whose favorite color is purple. But it's so, what I love about it, and it sounds kind of, I don't know, dorky white chick woke kind of thing but it <laughs> it is so multicultural it talks about it shows people in every religion race you know economic situation I mean it's so cool and it just talks about that just has those are just how they look right and messages just be kind, you know. Like she says, you know, my mom says the best way to be kind is to use people's names. And so she's walking down the street, and she's like, "Hey, Omar! Hi, mm. Mama, Mama Bomb! You know, hi, Katrina! You know," and just. Um, but it's really it's about a girl who sees another girl in her school, um, and they're different races, and uh, one girl, um, Tanisha, spilled grape juice all over her dress. And the other kids laughed and she admits, you know, I wanted to laugh too, but my mom said that you should always try to be kind. And so what I like about it is a ch- the, the idea of a child admitting that vulnerability that they wanted to laugh too. Mm-hmm. They wanted to join that group of thinking something was funny. hmm
2: And sometimes it's easier, right? It's easier to just join. And
1: and she said, you know, being kind is hard. It's scary. Sometimes, you know, going up and talking to someone who is sitting alone at lunch, that's terrifying for a kid. Because now your entire social status could change because of somewhere you sit. And that's kind of the reality of, of growing up, unfortunately. And we can't change that, but we can at least, you know change hearts and minds to maybe be willing to take that risk.
2: Right. I love it. I yeah, love it. It I is a it. nice collection. And there's just, I mean, it. I'll tell you what, I get tired. I, I have gotten tired of reading books to my kids sometimes because it's some, some of the books are just so annoying, you know, like the ones that are, I, I'm trying to think of one that.
1: Interrupting chicken.
2: Oh, I don't, I don't have that one. I've tried to I not get them the in universe. my house. Yeah. But it's just. Like a
1: book with no pictures. Hilarious. Love BJ yeah. Novak, love that book. But then reading it 18 times in a row just so that my kids can hear me go, "I am a monkey who taught myself to read, and I love a hippo named Boo Boo Butt." Yeah, you know? like, it's okay, guys.
2: just yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Thank you for providing like, we're examples. A few here. Yes.
1: It, it, well, it, it feels nice to it's me. It's a missed opportunity, and it's okay to have fun and it's okay to be silly, but every single time, right? Like, right. We, we're missing that critical opportunity, and it's so amazing. Isn't it amazing how open your kids' minds are when you're reading to them at night mm-hmm. before
2: bed? Yeah. That's pretty much the only time that they want to talk to me. <laughs> I know, I do. Uh, uh, one of the um, books that is one of my favorite is the Where Oliver Fits. And oh, a lot God. of these books are things that are good reminders for me. So in that book, it's about this puzzle piece who wants to fit in with everybody else. And so he changes his color and his shape and, you know, does everything to fit in. And then he just doesn't feel like himself anymore. And what? Yeah, he's, still and then, not happy. And he's still not happy. He doesn't like it. And to me, I think that's that's... a a journey that many adults including myself can be on as well you know and sometimes yeah and sometimes it's good to talk to your kids about things that we're all still working on it's not like we've all got it all figured out here let me pass my torch of knowledge to you we've been through more in life so we do have more wisdom but we don't we're still working on a lot of things ourselves um so anyway i I enjoy reading them because it's just something that sort of feeds my soul too um so
1: But I think listening to our kids, too, is so important. Yeah, uh, this morning, Kaylin called me out. Uh, You know, she she wanted toast with breakfast. I said, we're out of bread. She goes, well, how can we be out of bread, Mom? I said, I don't know. I feel like your dad just used the last of the bread yesterday, and I I think I have to buy more bread today. And I was busy. I was in the laundry room kind of organizing things. It's spring break. It's what I do. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm I'm purging. And uh, she's like, well, why don't you go look? And I'm like, I don't need to look. I know there's no bread. We're going to the store today to buy bread. Just have something else. And it was more about me not wanting to get up from this sea of mess that I have in the laundry room, of being, feeling irate because I'm being interrupted. God forbid I'm being interrupted by a child that I brought into this world, you know, and I can admit to my own flaws, you know, but we've all been there. And she's like, mom, just go look. And she can't reach where the bread is without, you know, getting on things and, getting in trouble for getting on things. And so I was like, fine, I'll look and I look and there's three quarters of a loaf of bread in there. (laughs) And she goes, See mom, I know you were frustrated, but sometimes it's good to just double check. Year old. Oh my gosh! And
2: I you know love what?
1: it. She schooled me, yeah. and maybe I should not be so defiant and you know about it and so defensive when she and I, you know, when she calls me out. And I looked at her and I said, "You know what, Kaylin? You are absolutely right. I'm very sorry that I didn't just take your advice in the beginning and got frustrated. You're right. I should just double check. Right. And that listening and that's part of you know." It's part of the whole gig. It's part of teaching, you know, healthy relationships. It's part of teaching, you know, skills, life skills. Right. You know, just listen to them. They are, it's kind of crazy how smart they can be. Right. But then, you know, you have those moments where, you know, I tell my eight-year-old, go upstairs and get dressed, and 20 minutes later, I go up there, and he's wearing one sock, completely get on the rest of him with a toothbrush dangling out of his mouth, playing on a Nintendo Switch or something. And I'm like... Really? Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, you have those reminders that they may be smart sometimes, but they're not that mature. And so it is also our job to not just listen to them, but to steer them in the right direction. And, you know, I mean, if, I don't want my kids to repeat my cycle. I mean, they have a wonderful father. I have the most supportive husband that I probably, and I and I say this with all honesty I probably don't deserve half the time (laughs) because he is really a great guy and I'm a little harder on him than I need to be but that's that's part of my baggage and my PTSD and my my own issues um but I just I didn't have parents who were abusive I didn't have parents who were abusive towards each other towards me they were young they made a lot of mistakes but you know They nobody, it just didn't happen, and I ended up like that, so there's no reason that my kids couldn't end up in an an unhealthy, toxic, abusive, dangerous, potentially deadly relationship, and so, you know, and no matter who they are, and they can be, like Casey, a physician who was a nurse, who was a mom, who was, you know... Devoted to Bible study and being there for her neighbors and doing all the things and flying across the country or across the world, rather, to help take care of people and still, you know, end up in the wrong situation. And so it's really important that we talk to them now, that we talk to them when they're young, because I would hate for for anything. I mean, you can't, you can't take it back and you don't get do-overs
2: what? on their childhood. What would you say is the biggest thing that you've learned through the process of losing Casey about signs to look for or things that if you're in a, your friend is dating someone or someone in your family or if you're in a new relationship, what would you say is the biggest thing that you've, I mean, and it's, it's complicated. It, it I know there's a no, number of things. I can tell you what it is. Okay. It's very simple and, okay.
1: and it's so simple. It's scary. Okay. Social media is a lot of lies. Mm. Everything looked fine, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I went to her Facebook the other day just to look for some pictures of her, and there's still pictures up of the two of them, and everything was great. Mm-hmm. And it's this mask. Right. It's a mask that we get to hide behind for all of us. And, you know, not just the, hey, we're all struggling, and we're all having crappy days, and we're all, it's, wow, you know, this person was being assaulted this person was being stalked this person was being mentally horrifically abused uh, and pictures look great mm-hmm. family at christmas you know at the at the what the, the big tennis open the yeah. pictures of them and this and there. and you know oh and he gave his shoes to a homeless person great great guy mm-hmm. no he wasn't he was not a great guy and don't don't take that for anything more than you're getting highlights of people's lives. You're not getting you're not getting anything real.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's real, and, and, and I don't mean to say that you shouldn't be happy for people on social media. And everything isn't a humble brag. And it's not that everyone's trying to hide everything, but they're not they're not going to put up, you know, hey, got in a fight with my husband today, and he, he called me horrible names and told me that I'm not worth anything, and now I'm scared to leave. You know, or or my husband or my wife is taking all the money and not giving me anything, so I'm stuck. Mm -hmm. You're never going to see that on social media. And I think that is one of the tools that I really think, it's just my personal opinion, that abusers use
0: Mm. to
1: stay hidden in plain sight.
2: Mm. Yeah. No, that's...
1: Yeah, look at at how great I am. Right. I'm going to buy her flowers and she's going to post about it on Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do think, I think it's a tool that they either, knowingly or unknowingly, but they use it. And I think that it's, it's, I look at every bit of social media so differently now. And I, always, I have for the last three years. I, I can't, in a, not in a negative way, but definitely in a taking it with a grain of salt way. And I don't use it as a litmus for relationship or just general health and happiness whatsoever anymore. Right.
2: No, that's good advice. I like that for me, it's more about, um, that wasn't, I I think you're a hundred percent right. And I hadn't really thought as much about that. Um, for me, the biggest, um, thing that I recognized was that when someone is pulling away, it might not be because they're so happy, you know what I mean? And so I think sometimes when people are in new relationships or with someone, people can pull away or, and, and what my assumption was was oh you must be so happy and you just don't have as much time right now and some to me that's now more of a red flag of well why what what's going on and you can't make someone you know tell you what's going on if they're not ready but it's just it's to me something to pay attention to a little differently um so anyway well
1: as as a survivor of domestic violence i can tell you this when you're in it you don't it's and this actually really rang true with the the recent Michael Jackson um documentary and the men were talking about it and they were like you know what I didn't I defended him because I wasn't feeling abused I was feeling loved Mm -hmm. and there's such a you would think, right, if you've never been in an abusive, a physically, really physically abusive relationship, and I'm not knocking anyone who has been in other forms of abusive relationships, but I'm speaking from the standpoint of someone who was in an abusive, physically abusive relationship. When you're in that, it's, it's kind of insane how blurry the line is between love and fear, and they get you there. Like, you would think it's a real easy thing to figure out. Oh, my gosh. You know, he's choking me. He bruised me. He raped me. i got to get out of here. It's not that easy. Mm -hmm. It's really, like, they complicate it from the moment it starts. You know, abuse is met with love in this weird way. And, you know, I mean... It's just so hard. It's so hard to kind of look at it and go. I mean, you know, like well, I and said, I think you know, people aren't going to leave till they're ready to leave, but they don't even know that they should be
2: leaving. Right, right.
1: You know, that's the tricky part. Like they're like, yeah, but he's getting better, or you know, she's not doing it as much anymore, or you know, things have. Cooled down, and there hasn't been an incident in, you know, 10 months. I mean, come on. It's not a, you know, so many days since an accident sign at Costco. You know, that's not a relationship Mm -hmm. pattern that you should have, you know, but you don't realize that until you're out of it. And when you're in it, I mean, it's anything, right? It's any unhealthy habit that we have that we don't see while we're in it. It's, you know, it's phone addiction. It's, you know, not, it's, it's abuse relationships. It's working too much. Mm -hmm. It's, it's anything that you're doing that is harmful to you in a way that you're not going to see it until you're out of it. Mm -hmm. And hindsight, you know, it's always easy, right? but there's nothing you can do. But yeah, I do agree that, yeah, the pulling away and me, for me, I just was like, she's working all the time. She's always working. Right. You know, it didn't, it didn't, and she was, and she was, so, yeah, yeah, Yeah. you know, it's, but yeah, you're right, it's the pulling away, too.
2: So, I'm curious, as you do all, I think I asked you this before, but I'll ask again, as you do all this good work for Project Brave and taking care of your family, what is something that you really hold on to for your own self-care?
1: Well... I know I talked about self-care with you before, but there's a couple new things that I'm doing for self-care that um, I'm really excited about. So um, one of the things, actually, that Casey and I used to joke about with was that we both did cross-stitch, like little ladies. And I do a lot of cross-stitch, but they're like funny cross-stitches now. (laughs) So God bless Etsy. Like, I had a friend who had a hysterectomy, and so I went on to Etsy and I found a cross-stitch pattern that was of a uterus. Uh-huh. and ovaries, and it's head gone but not forgotten.
2: Oh, <laughs> so I like, love it.
1: So I crossed stitched that and put it in, like, the little grandma cross-stitch hoop. And, um, I'm actually, I've been, you know, um, I've been actually working on one for Stephanie on our board for um, months since her birthday it was in November, and I haven't finished it because I'm a bad friend. Um, but, yeah, like, there's there's ones that, like, you know, it, like, bless this mess, and, you know. like yes explicit language on them that i find hilarious and it's just such, it's such joy and it's and i listen to podcasts the family brain being one of them while i do that um and then my other one is i, I found a an app called active and i actually for the first time in my life actually like working out it's like a personal trainer in your ear okay. and uh, so i'm getting fit
2: in- get it girl
1: I'm getting fit. I'm getting my workout on, except I've had turf toe for for three weeks, and I haven't been able to do too much because, oh, that hurts. Um, but, but yeah, so those are my two big things right now. I love uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty
2: fun. So is there anything?
1: You, you know, no one, I don't really know anyone's asking you these days. What are you doing for self-care these what days?
2: What am I doing for self-care these days? Well, I just started working out again. Um, after our move, I... I don't know I I just wasn't taking care of myself as well just because we were settling in and it feels really good to just get back in a routine of exercising and um, I what else am I doing I'm trying to read more instead of being on my phone or on Netflix so I've been reading a lot and since the weather is improving I'm reading outside which feels really good. Um, and I, I, could go on and on. I like being asked questions. Um, I also have been enjoying letting my kids figure things out for themselves. Um, and the freedom that comes with that just kind of, I don't know, figure it out. I, I mean, I'm here and I will answer if I truly think that, that you can't, but, um, I just think they're capable of so much more than I have historically allowed them to be. And I'm just sort of, seeing what they do with things, and it's very freeing. I'll tell you that. I love
1: that you're giving your kids the gift of grit.
2: Yes, I'm working on it. Really?
1: I mean, so many of us forget to do that these days. Uh, What are you reading, by the way?
2: So I just started reading a bunch of books by Mary Pfeiffer. She wrote uh, years ago, and actually she is a therapist who... Um, motivated me to become a therapist. She wrote a book called Reviving Ophelia. She was working in therapy with women and girls, primarily girls. And it was just about the different issues that girls deal with in adolescence. And I read that book probably when I was a teenager and I still have it because I was like, this is the job I want to do. And so I didn't realize she had written other books. And this one, uh, Finding Peace, uh, something, Memories, Memories of the Worst Buddhist Ever or something like that. She basically wrote this book and got super into it and got a lot of not- notoriety and then um, had a crash because it was just too much on her system and she wasn't implementing self-care. And so it was just cool for me to see how somebody who, you know, we all have these, or not we all, but I sometimes can think, well, why why don't I have a book on the bestseller list or why am I not, you know, on a speaking tour? that sometimes these things that people aspire to have an underbelly that we don't always hear about, you know, sort of the same as the, the social media you were talking about. You see the highlight reel, you don't always hear about the hard parts about it. And so she really speaks to that side of things. And, um, she's just a wise woman. So I'm reading all her stuff right now. That's
1: cool. I'm in a, I'm in a big, uh, like nineties riot girl phase right now, especially after seeing Captain Marvel. Like, I have, like, this 90s female power playlist on my on my phone right now. That nice. I, you know, like, anytime my husband comes in, I'm listening to, like, No Scrubs or something. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> this is how bad I am. I don't even know if I know a, a female, like, I mean, who, like, Courtney, oh love, gosh, like Courtney love? Like, Courtney
1: Love? Like, is listening it? to Whole Days and
2: whole, yeah.
1: Kill and... Okay. Oh, and you know, like some of the Pixie stuff and a ton of Kim Gordon stuff. And
2: it's yeah, so you fun. are definitely cooler than me. I I, I don't oh. know. I think I was listening to maybe Madonna and just I was yeah, well, a little bit I'm more basic, a little more basic.
1: No, just more pop. But no, so now so I'm and I'm in this like rereading or not rereading, reading the classics that I never read.
2: Thing. Oh, neat.
1: And uh, so and and I'm literally going by what's free on my Kindle.
2: Cool. So what have you read What have you read so far?
1: So right now, I'm in the middle of uh, The Handmaid's Tale, which if you can believe oh. that I've
2: never read. You know what? I have tried to read this, and I really struggled. I enjoyed the show much more. I don't know why, and maybe can, if I... I won't watch the show until I read the book. Oh. I'm like, I'm oh. The show. You haven't watched it? Before. Oh, it's so good. I've tried to read the book, yeah. and I don't know if it was just too complicated for me, or maybe it was not the right time. I don't know. Um, It's
1: free. It's free on Amazon Unlimited right now. All right. And then I I, I read Moby Dick, and I read Pride and Prejudice, and I read, um, uh, what was the other one I read? I reread Tom Sawyer.
2: Oh, I like Like, that one. I I just... I remember uh, really liking Weathering Heights. I remember really liking that one. Oh, Weathering
1: Heights is amazing. Do you know that I have a third edition Tom Sawyer? that That was my grandfather's.
2: Very cool. And it was
1: his grandfather's.
2: Cool. Yeah, I yeah. have it. And it's like, I won't put it out
1: anywhere that anyone can find it because it's so special to me. And But I wouldn't read it because I was afraid to open it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I just, I I reread that one, but the others I'd never read. And I was like, you know what? This is going to be my year of reading classics. And I've never read 1984. That's next on my list. And... Um, you know, just these crazy books that, like, why haven't I read them? Right. You know.
2: Because you were probably so. smart enough when it was um, assigned to you to figure out how to not do it and still and get away exactly with it. Yeah, because you're you smart enough all to all figure out me. how to make it look like you read it when you, you were did not You assigned to me. Yeah. I my way through yeah. honors English. I mean, I'm sure my teacher was hot on
1: my trail, but I made it work. You know, I passed, I graduated, I'm here.
2: Right, you know? <laughs> right. And I'm sure you're getting more out of it up, now.
1: Dylan, I'm reading them now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, so as we wrap up, I'm wondering if you can just talk about uh, where people can find more information about Project Brave and yes. if people are interested in getting involved or donating or um, donating a book collection, where you would direct them. Yeah. So our
1: website is www.projectbrave.net. Project Brave, one word. Um, There's information there. We've got this really cool books of bravery. There's a, there's the menu and there's the books of bravery tab. And when you click the main books of bravery tab, it'll take you to, um, a list of all the books. Uh, because you know, we've actually had people reach out and they're like, how can I buy these books? And I'm like, you can buy them on Amazon, you can buy them at booksellers, you can get them from the library. You know what I mean? Like we're not, and this is kind of unfortunately a, a misconception. We are not the writers of these books, nor are we resell- resellers of these books. We are a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, and we donate these books in a, in a library Um, with a specific purpose, mission, and vision in mind. Uh, We love that people want to read the books, that they want to access the books, so we have the entire list there, the names of the books and the authors. And then... Um, there's another tab where you can go to, and it says Bob Discussion Topics. And that is all the discussion topics that were written by our fabulous podcast host, Megan Gibson, um, and I believe Erica Shapiro helped with some of them. And um, they, the ones that were written by our team are there. They're clickable. You click on it. They're available for download for private use. Um, and then there are a list of the books that have discussion points already in them, to so people understand, okay, when you get this book, they're already there. So you don't even need to come here and download anything. Um, and then also on the Books of Bravery main page... We have the um, information on how someone can personally sponsor a library for a $450 donation. And basically what that does is $350 of it covers the cost of the books, the stand, and shipping. And it goes anywhere in the continental United States. We don't have the ability to ship out of the country yet, um, just for financial purposes. Um, I mean if someone wants to pay for that, we actually did have a, a Canadian inquiry, um, Go Canada. Uh, but um yeah, we've got that and then a hundred dollars will be a donation to the organization uh out of that four fifty, and that hundred dollars is actually something that can be written off because it's a straight donation. Um and then um we also have uh, information there on how you can, if you're in Bear County, the San Antonio area, and those areas surrounding, there is information there on how you can contact us about having a library donated to your school, child-focused center, or practitioner office. And then there's also information. Um, <clears throat> you're also welcome to reach out if you're in Texas reach out, but not in your County, reach out to us and, and request a library. We do have a limited budget for that, so there is a little bit of a selection process, but at this point we still have, you know, budget for some libraries. We're actually sending one to College Station um, next week, so that'll be fun. And uh, But, yeah, donations are great. Volunteering is great. Spreading the word is great. On Facebook, we're at projectgrade.net. Um, We are on on the Instagram. Um, I think on Instagram. Let me just look it up here so that I'm giving the right handle. Um, But our Project Brave is a really fun way to follow us. Uh, Or I'm sorry, our Facebook Project Brave page is really fun. Um, Like I had said before, lots of quotes, lots of information. You get to see what we're doing in the communities, how we're making a difference. So for whatever means that you support us, whether it be financially or through just spreading our mission or volunteer work, you can actually see where that support is going to and how it's changing the conversation about healthy relationships. Um,
2: Instagram so, is project.brave. So yes, at project.brave. project.brave. And it has a little purple feather. So that will help you recognize yeah, what it is. Oh, yeah.
1: And yeah. So, um, and we do have a Twitter handle and Twitter is at, Underscore Project Brave. That's the one with the underscore. So, Twitter handle is at Underscore Project Brave, and I'm trying really hard to get better at Twitter.
2: Uh, I was just gonna say it really overwhelms me, and I know pe- some people love it, but I just, uh, I don't know. I'm glad I'm hard. not in charge of Twitter. Um, Twitter's hard, man.
1: It's so hard. I just, don't my brain it. just but doesn't work
2: that way. I think if you're
1: born, I think if you're born before the mid '80s, it's just not it's just not for us.
2: I don't know. But then there's plenty of people, that, including my husband, who are into it. So, um, um, so just me, it's just me. Yeah, it's just you. That's what I was trying just, to get at. just me, Jill. Uh, yeah. Just, just. Uh, well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I have to be honest, you get me re-excited about Project Brave and the work that we're all doing. I want to give a shout-out to our team and our board and all the people that work behind the scenes um, because...
1: Can I, can I get the names of our team real quick please, so we all get a shout-out? Please do. All right. We have the incredible Megan Gibson. We Woo. have the amazing Stephanie Lynn. Uh, uh, we've got Dr. Erica Shapiro, very fancy, fancy. We have Lala Morales, our legal counsel. We have uh, Aaron Beltran, who is transitioning from being our treasurer and financial director to outreach because she's moving from San Antonio to Cincinnati, taking her place, fingers crossed. Uh, will be Ms. Lori Court, uh, And then we also have uh, Tori, Streff, who's our um, boots on the ground for the Bob Libraries. And we have, I got to say her name right or she won't give me props for it. Angelina Flores is our bilingual director. Um, Please tell me I didn't forget. Oh, we have Sean Wiedich is our um, website guru. We have Donna louderback Austin Casey's mom who just kind of oversees the direction when it comes to anything regarding Casey and her legacy uh, and we have Carol Dixon who is our fundraising guru I think I got everyone there
2: and if we didn't we love you and <laughs> just me. and you and me yes and all love. the we families all this
1: together and said I need everybody's help
2: yes and <laughs> all, all the families sure in. And all the families behind the, the people on the volunteering side, because it's a, definitely a team effort, especially during those crunch times when there's fundraising and, you know, we, we, uh, we need that backup.
1: Oh my gosh. Do we, do we, and, and former shout outs to Jill Goolsby, one of our original founding members. Yes. Um, so yeah, just wonderful, wonderful help there getting everything off the ground and yeah, lots of exciting things happening well taking off i have a meeting with the mayor's wife this week
2: perfect so. make sure you Very wear your exciting. pearls no i'm just kidding um <laughs> what's cool is he's not that kind of mayor so yes clutch of pearls well good luck with the meeting and thank you so much for sharing the message and your enthusiasm and i i know people will benefit from hearing your excitement and your passion for this project Thanks for listening to The Family Brain and for my conversation with Jill Cullinan. I hope you enjoyed how enthusiastic she is about the project and the work we're doing. And uh, it genuinely got me excited again. So thank you, Jill, for sharing your enthusiasm about this important topic. And if you're willing, I would love for listeners to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find the podcast. It helps when people are just kind of browsing around for something to listen to puts that on their radar. And it's not super easy to find. You have to go to where the list of all the episodes I've recorded are. And at the very bottom of that list, there's a little icon that says write a review. So that would be greatly appreciated. And if you um, would like to, you can find us online, familybrainpodcast.com, where all the episodes are as well. And I'm on Facebook, The Family Brain, and on Instagram, Family Brain Podcast. So thanks for listening.